Today's episode is a lot of fun to listen to, and you're going to want to listen all the way through to the end because you'll hear some fascinating stories from a guy who does uh, profound level energy work on really successful people. You'll hear stories. You'll also hear a great discussion about how and why this probably works and the history of it, where it comes from, where it's going, and how it affects your life, and even some of the things you can do uh, to plug into your own ability to sense and create energy. It's a fascinating interview and kind of a peek behind the scenes at what global billionaires and some remarkably successful people are doing to keep their energy in tune. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that I'm actually recording this episode in an altered state. I have not just headphones in my ears, I have little clips on my ears running an electrical current back and forth across my brain in the gamma state, which is a really cool place to be. So I'm actually electrically hacking my brain right now, and you'll see if you can tell a difference throughout the episode. Maybe, maybe not. The technology I'm using is called cerebral electrical stimulation, and it was originated in the Russian space program because the Russians, who are some of the best biohackers on the planet, realized a long time ago, if you want to send someone to space, it's really expensive. You know, lots of rocket fuel and stuff. So what if they didn't have to sleep when they were in space? You could just use less rocket fuel, send less astronauts. So this is their electrical solution to requiring less sleep. It turns out you can use it to put the brain in all sorts of states. It's one of the many types of technologies that we use at 40 Years of Zen, but this is not the exact equipment. This is actually a 20-year-old uh, piece of gear that I've got connected to my head and still one of the best ones on the market. So kind of cool. Cerebral electrical stimulation. You can put yourself in whatever state you want uh, as long as you're willing to have a battery stuck onto your head. Before we get into today's show, I'm laughing because today's guest is laughing at me for that. Um, before we get into today's show, you probably know about brain octane oil. It's the secret ingredient in Bulletproof Coffee. I put it in my salads. I pour it on every meal. raises ketones in your blood exogenously. These are fat-burning molecules. What you probably don't know is we have a three-ounce bottle that's TSA legal, and we have these little packs, like single-serving packs, where you can just tear off the top and dump it on your food. One of the things that I always do when I travel is I always have brain octane with me. It just doesn't make sense to eat something and then get hungry a few hours later because my body kicked out of fat burning mode even if I had some carbs like white rice or something. So it's kind of a, a cool way to do things. It has all sorts of metabolic effects and now it's more portable. Go to bulletproof.com and check out Brain Octane Oil. Today's guest is one of those guys I don't really know how to describe what he does so I'm going to tell you some of the things that I know about him. His name is John Amaral and I met him backstage at Tony Robbins. I was honored to be a speaker on Tony's main stage at his Unleash the Power Within event and I ran into John and, and John's one of the guys who's backstage like doing energy work uh, for Tony Robbins and you can say well what does energy work actually mean and I asked him I said he said why don't I just show you so he brings a a chiropractic table that he's specially modified and he's a, a trained chiropractor but does a lot of stuff that doesn't even have to touch you and you can feel like massive shifts and just i'll just call it my energy field or in the sensations in my body when it does the work and he does work on some pretty big names like gerard butler uh, the guy who was the lead in 300 some real top actresses and actors about a dozen global billionaires tons of leaders in personal development lots of pro athletes one of my good friends jay abraham who's been a guest on bulletproof radio a real popular one too and a top marketing leader. He's done work on him, the XPRIZE Foundation, all kinds of stuff like that. So, so basically, I have learned over the past oh, eight or so years from working with well, just some of the most successful people on earth to help them be more bulletproof that it is more common for people with lots of resources and lots of success, people who are changing the world, it's more common for them to have someone who's helping to manage their energy at a very kind of subtle level. It happens more often than not. And it, maybe that's why they got there. Maybe that's why they stay there. But this is something that is real. It's something you've heard about from another guy who's also done work on Tony, uh, Dr. Barry Morgulon, who's been a guest on the show as well. And in fact, quite often backstage, you'll see John and <laughs> Dr. Barry. And it, it's just, it's kind of one of those things that people don't talk about enough. And I want all of you to hear from guys like John, guys like Dr. Barry, to just understand what is it they're doing? Why do these people who are really successful at working to change the world, why do they call people like this? Like what's in it for them? 
So John, welcome to the show. Dave, it's great to have a, a chance to sit here and talk with you about some of this awesome stuff. So thanks for having me on. Now, your company is called Body Centered Leadership, mm. which got my attention right away because I've been giving some talks with entrepreneur groups lately, like the Joe Polish Genius Network, and, mm. and saying things that, look, the state of your company, uh, the state of your family is a reflection of the state of your energy. So like, when everything's working internally in your body and you're like, you know, I, I got this. It's just like a feeling, like a, a glow, like a vibration, just vitality is like surging cool. through you. Like everything works in your company. Yes. And when you wake up and you feel just like crap and nothing's right, like that's just your company it will reflect that as well in its success, in the way you treat people and the way people treat uh -huh. each other. It's, it's subtle. It's esoteric. You could say that there's no double blind studies. I don't care. It, I, I can see it. So <laughs> whatever. The sky's mm. blue. We didn't double blind that either. So how did you get into something as esoteric as body centered leadership? Because leadership yeah. does come from biology. But how did you learn this? Mm. Like, like, tell me your story. Well, I started out as a fine artist and I was learning the human body to draw the human body and sculpt the human body. And I took an anatomy course that was a uh, it was actually the pre-med anatomy course with cadavers, the whole nine yards. So I was in with all these pre-med students and the instructor was like, what are you doing in art? He's like, you're, you're acing this class. You're, you're doing the best in this class. And there's all these people going to medical school. He's like, have you ever thought about doing something in health? And it turned out he was a retired chiropractor. He said, have you ever checked out chiropractic? And I said, no, I've never been to a chiropractor in my whole life. Long story short, I ended up going to chiropractic school, never having been to a chiropractor. I had no idea what chiropractors did other than like work with athletes and help align the spine, somehow crack the back. I got into chiropractic college and I learned that in the late 1800s, the guy that developed chiropractic uh, was this like metaphysical dude. He was this esoteric um, um, a guy that had brought Eastern concepts and practices and principles. And his whole deal was how can we help in a way unify the innate wisdom of the body that runs the show with the universal forces or universal, what he called universal intelligence. And how can we have those be more uh, cohesive and, and any distortions in that flow between kind of around us and what's within us could be uh, shifted by working with the nervous system. And he said the whole thing is based on – this was the founder of chiropractic. He said the everything in the human body is based on tone, vibration or oscillation, molecular oscillation. This was before we really had the physics to, to back it up. But everything is molecular oscillation. Everything is um, vibrating, resonant qualities. The whole entire you know, human body is a liquid crystalline matrix where energy and information is instantly you know, traveling everywhere. And we're an open system, so we're exporting energy out into the environment. We're bringing energy in. And the way we, we do that, how effectively we do that determines like, our quality of life and how we impact the world. So like, I started learning this. In, in chiropractic and I was like learning the chiropractic technique, but I was also learning the philosophy and I was studying the science and all the research and in, in, in the kind of biophysics realm. And it just caught me and I just, this is my, it became my art, my way to create. So the science and then the art, the actual application of the principles became my, my like passion. And I started working with a man named Donnie Epstein who developed something called network spinal analysis or network chiropractic, which really became a foundation of, of what I'm doing now. Um, and I'm evolving on to incorporate other things, but, but for many years I studied with him and that, that approach actually really works with the tone of the nervous system in a way that creates this wave of energy that moves through the spine. Um, and there's so much, we actually have research on that through, through USC department of engineering, um, um, through UC Irvine Medical College, retrospectives on on quality of life changes. There's there's a bunch of actually there's a body of research on this. But um, anyway, so my wife introduced me to to this work. I had very severe asthma and allergies and eczema as a kid, so I had a lot of health challenges. Even though I was very physical and I was a very very great athlete, but the inner world I was pretty pretty much cut off Dave, from the inner world. So I couldn't tell you what I was feeling. I couldn't tell you if I was happy, sad, angry, whatever it was. And so what I did is I somaticized or I, I, I turned all this emotion and all the stuff I was feeling into physical symptoms. And through the process of um, receiving the work that I'm doing now, versions of it, network was the first you know, way that I got into this. It all changed. Everything changed. All the physical symptoms cleared and my creativity and my ability to like produce and to be connected to myself and be one with my body just went off the charts. And so that became my, my passion. How do you get to be 
one with your body so that you can be in sync with the the universal kind of rhythms and forces and really supercharge yourself and i think in in this area you and i have a lot of, of similar interest of like how can we just optimize this human experience and that's that's what i'm about now when you you've done work on me uh, several times uh, which is always pretty profound uh and and you did some work on lana as well my wife and some of the stuff that you're doing your hands are a foot away from my body. Mm. I'm like laying on a massage table and there's stuff moving around, not like, you know, spinal cord, you know, uh, subluxation, chiropractic mm-hmm. kind of adjustment, but, but like you can sort of feel like that, the feeling in your gut just shifted, not subtly. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? So, I mean, so you, so there, there are a lot of forms of communication in the human body. There's, there's uh, biochemical, there's uh, electromagnetic, uh, which is field oriented. There is um, um, probably, I mean, if the, there's acoustic wave transmission of information. So there are acoustic waves traveling through the tissues. And there's also uh, the field around the body that actually is really, it's organizing the structure of the body. Because if you think about it, the body is made up of about, well, we think somewhere around 70 trillion cells. But um, the actual atoms that uh, some of those cells will remain the same. Most of them are exchanged out many, many times. And even in a year, you've got almost a whole new body, new cells. But some of the cells stay throughout your whole life. But the atoms in those cells are exchanged out. So there's literally no material that was there when you were a young child in your body now. It's been replaced over and over and over. So you're in this constant like you know, exchange of information and, and energy and cells and structures and tissues. But the whole thing is this wild, you know, uh, nexus of energy consciousness and matter. And so I don't see the physical body as, as a body emanating a field of energy. I see the physical body as the densest part of a whole field of energy that as, you know, Einstein talked about, you know, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. So the field is what's organizing the shape and structure and form of the body. It's kind of like in a salamander when they regenerate, um, a limb, they actually have a, there's a field of information that guides the organization of the new cells and structures. That was work that Rupert Sheldrake actually uh, is quite well known for the research on, on morphogenetic fields. So there's a field that, that is actually a, a field and a field is like an informational, it's hard to, no one really knows exactly what a field is. The field is like an informational sort of context, with, well, there, which is, there's informational fields uh, and there's a whole right. study of science most people have heard yes. called informational field theory yes. and there's math describing this. Yes. But so usually me- measuring sorry. an informational field is hard to do. Exactly. But- I just want to say, so, 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 <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it mathematically, but what the heck is it? You know, people are like, well, it's a... We, we don't have an information field detector other than the human body, right? Like we are able to detect these things and something tells, you know, stem cells when you have eight cells and you're an embryo something tells this thing to become a tooth and this thing to become your butt right like, <laughs> or whatever part you want to choose i'm just trying so to keep true. it real here but it's not that the cell knew because we can look inside there isn't that information isn't there right so it has to be field-based and we can yes. manipulate that with rf you know, radio frequencies and magnetism and electrical fields uh, or just electrical current even the stuff i'm running across my brain right now and and so we know this stuff, but it's mostly a black box. And in the hacker world, I come from a black box. Is okay. It's a system you can't see inside it, but you can like put stuff in one end and it comes out the other end and see what happens. The, the thing that's interesting about my experience with you is that you're putting something into the black box that is my set of fields, right? And you're yes. doing it from at least a foot away from my body. And, and that makes me wonder, do you have some special mitochondrial fields do you, you know are, are you a, a you know are you darth vader not really but like yeah. you know like like is, is this intrinsic in all of us or yeah. do you think yeah, you're just believe, wired yeah. special no i believe it's definitely intrinsic in all of us and this is part of like the, the my mission and what i'm doing is helping people wake up to the awareness of um of of subtle energy and what that is and so what is energy you know i mean everything is energy everything at the sub subatomic level is is patterns of energy but but how we process it through our sensory system and then how we um organize things with our sensory motor system is completely um different for each person so some people might actually acoustically hear tone and vibration some people might see colors and visions and and sense um some people might have synesthesia where they actually have multiple um 
different sensations that are combining to create other sensations that are beyond the kind of fifth sense uh, sensations. Some people um, feel it somatically in their body when they're working. Some people feel energy in the field around them. So when I'm working on you and I'm like, my hands are one, two, three, four feet off your body, I'm actually, I've trained and conditioned to myself and through, you know, practice. Like I had a lot of, um, again, I'll, I'll, Definitely give props to Donnie Epstein, who was a mentor of mine for many years, for learning to sense the, the subtle energy fields of the body. This, the, the subtle energy fields have been talked about for um, thousands, know, like thousands of years. Of, <laughs> right. You have the koshas in the, in the, in the, um, in the Vedic tradition. Um, all shamanic traditions always talk about at least like five to maybe 12 different levels or layers of this subtle energy body. But you, you can start to... Um, condition your your sensory motor system to feel and sense both through through the sensory um like actually through the you know fingers through the hands but also through your heart through your whole body you start to sense the the phase change different frequency changes in the energy system at different levels off the body and how they correlate with different consciousness so there are different so the theory is that there are different um energy levels of the energy the subtle body which are like goes from about, you know, that we call the bioenergy or life forces, maybe about, can be felt about, you know, you can feel it if you take your hands, you rub them together a little bit and you put them about, you know, a half an inch apart, you'll feel heat, you'll feel warmth, you'll feel some kind of vibration in that. And that's the subtle, that's a subtle, that's a subtle energy. You're not touching, but you can feel something. Um, and that's the kind of, we call the bioenergy or the life force or ki or prana or chi. But then there's an emotional body that has a certain quality to it and density. The mental bodies have a different density. And then you transcend the mental and you go into these transcendent states where you can measure the brain waves in the body. Oh, yeah. You can, there's something you do in, 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 in your you, – this is one of the things you do in your center. But, um, but there's a subjective experience that's internally ex experienced when the brain waves change. But – there's also a subtle energy shift and there's a certain quality in the subtle energy body that you can feel that's different than a mental chat. Like the mental field has sort of a almost me mechanical machine-like quality to it. Whereas when you get into the subtle part of the system, which is about maybe four, four feet off the body, it starts feeling like more spacious. There are qualities you can train yourself to feel and anybody could do it. I could take somebody in, in a single day and teach them how to feel this stuff. Now it will take, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, so it'll take some time to master it. But, um, but I, I'm thinking I'm, when I'm working with you and you say, oh, I feel something, you're not touching my body, but I feel something happening. Um, you think about an electromagnet, you're holding it over a pile of iron filings and the electric, the magnetic field is actually organizing and changing the movement of those particles. Nothing's touching it physically, but the field is organizing it. So I'm seeing, uh, when I'm working with someone, I'm, I'm, accessing the, the the system through the field as the primary lens and then letting the body change change is determined by what i'm doing in the field and vectoring different forces and holding different intentions too because consciousness plays a role because right this is quantum physics now the observer is changing the outcome by who's looking at it and what you're looking for so i can walk up to a person and i can i can hold my hand a foot off their body and their whole body goes through this big change Someone else who doesn't hold those perspectives may come up, they hold their hand off the body and nothing happens. And they go, well, you know, how does that happen with you but not me? Well, it's because encoded into what I'm doing are like 7,000 things that I've learned over the past, you know, 25 years that are influencing the response because I'm observing with that consciousness. So consciousness and energy, there's an interplay. And and uh, that's what I'm playing with in a way, that very fabric of how, how the human, you know, experience happens it's it's a mystery but somehow we're incarnated and we're in this uh form and it's constantly morphing and changing so how my, my thought is how can i introduce a force a, a, a vector of force that force could be an actual physical force when i'm touching or it could be a force of intention with a directed sensory motor strategy tied into it that has that person's sensory system pick that information up and say wow i can use that to reassemble the way i'm doing my body mind whole organization here but i need to come at it from a place of where is the most available energy where is it most open where are things flowing the most rather than what's most stuck what's most bound up and what's not working because the way i've found that you get change to happen and progress most quickly 
is take what's working and amplify it. And we call that entrainment. We entrain this, you know about entrainment. I mean, you're entraining the system to be a more coherent, energy efficient organism. And, um, and truthfully, you're actually helping the system. I, I'm wanting to help the system be farther from equilibrium because a far <laughs> from equilibrium system is alive. As you approach equilibrium in physics, you're dead because at equilibrium, there's an energy balance at zero, so now you're dead. So we want to keep the system adaptable, flexible, constantly looking for new sources of energy. So where do we get the energy? You know, Where do we get energy for progress or growth? How do we reassemble or change or shift what's going on in our body and in our mind? Well, we have to find where is some access to a free available energy is it in the field around the body or is it somewhere in the body um i'm looking for both so I, I go back and forth between the physical and the energy field around the body because it depends on for each individual where the most available energy is and i'll work where the most available energy is now i have a couple thoughts on that uh the first is i really want to know when you're working with this subtle energy body what parts of your nervous system are you using to sense it? Like, it, do you feel it in your gut? Do you see colors? Uh, you know, do you see you know, angel wings? I, I have no idea, but like, again, Buddhism. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, like, like you have to imagine the Buddha yeah. sitting on a lotus flower and they're trying to, to tell you like a visceral sense. So like, like yeah. is it heat? Like, like, like if someone's, okay, so, someone wants to match what you're doing, yeah. what should they look for in terms of signals from their body? That's such a great question. Um, so, for me, and it's different for each each individual practitioner and how they work, but um, for me, I I have a I can feel okay. So I, I, imagine when you're you walk into a room and 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 something just happened and everyone kind of gasped and they kind of held their breath and you feel an anxiety and kind of a general tension. For some people, that's their office. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry for you if that's the case. Maybe look at you know at your environment, but but you're in an environment that feels kind of suppressive and everything's kind of shut down. Well. Um, the, versus when someone is in a free state of joy and expressing and they're feeling like they're in flow, they're in a flow state, um, you feel the difference. For me, that I can feel the, the shifts in energy as a sensation in my body. So kinesthetically, I'm pretty kinesthetically wired as my primary um, um, kind of processing. Um, I, one of my good friends, Robert Diltz, wrote a lot of, he wrote the Encyclopedia of NLP. He hit him and Judith uh, Delosio, who were, two of the kind of top people in the NLP field actually had worked with um, um, Tony. Tony brought him in for like, because he's the foremost person in the world for modeling. But he, he told me that, hey, John, you're actually, you, you're kinesthetic, but you also have an auditory. So you're auditory kinesthetic. You're, you're, those are kind of your primary. So I hear things too, um, but I don't hear it as sounds. I like hear it as a sensation, which the, this is called synesthesia yeah. when you taste a sound or you hear a smell, or, you know. And so I, for me, a lot of the ways when I'm working with someone, I, I see the changes happening physically. I can, I'm looking for changes in the tone and, and like posturing. I'm looking for changes in leg length. I'm looking for changes in breath patterns. I'm looking to see is the muscles tone and the system starting to ease up. So I'm looking at all these physical parameters. But then I'm feeling and sensing when there's ease. And when there's yeah. tension as a tonal vibrational resonant state, it's actually, a, it's, 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 um, it, we have terminology in the culture, like high strung, wound up, uptight, you know, for vibrationally, uh, wound up, you know, people. And the natural state is a flow state of the body. And that's a very, it's like a, it's like a sine wave. That's a long wavelength, kind of like an ohm frequency versus a, uh, spigonals on the chalkboard. So I also <laughs> feel and sense tonal frequencies as if I'm, you know, so you, someone's talking to me or I'm, they lay down the table, I experience the phase distortion in their body from an ohm frequency to a, like a distorted uh, frequency um, that's like a high, high energy frequency. It takes a lot of energy and it's exhausting. And I can feel that in someone's body when they're, they're vibrating at a frequency. So I'll feel that and I'll feel it before I even touch them because I'm feeling it in the field. They, you generated that in the, in the field around you. So I'm walking up to someone and I'm feeling the vibrational state of the body as, as experienced kinesthetically in my body. I'm seeing their body and how they're positioned on the table um, and how they're moving or breathing or not breathing. And I can feel that also in my body. 
um, I'm seeing also like visions of things. So like I, what I did is I opened up sort of my apparatus over the years to being able to receive information that just comes. And everyone who's doing amazing stuff in the world, all of my my clients that are billionaires and amazingly successful actors and pro athletes and stuff, you get behind the scenes, you pull back the curtain, it's like, oh, you're doing the woo-woo too? Okay, cool. Um, because what what people that are extremely uh, exceptional in what they do open up to is they kind of, they take the societal condition filter off and they go, wow, let me just interact with the quantum field and see how my sensory system processes this and then follow that. And like you learn to go, okay, this is every time I start to work with someone and I feel, and I work with this part of the body and I feel this particular sensation, I'm, I'm right on because I'll ask them and then I'll make notes and then I'll, I'll go, wow, like this last 27 people, when I felt that and asked them, that's what it was. And then you start to build, um, um, in a way, credibility in your own self that, wow, what I'm feeling is valid because I'm getting the feedback. So I think it's a combination of so many different things. Like I'll get information about someone's lineage. I'll be like, did, did, um, I'm curious what your relationship is or was with your, you know, grandfather. Did you know him? You know, it is something I'll be like, oh my God, I was just thinking that, that when you touch that part of my body, I had this whole experience of, of remembering when my grandfather, you know, had me on his knee and then this happened and that happened. And so, um, I will, let that aperture stay open to let information come in and then I'll test it by asking the person that I'm working with. And so that's developed a lot of trust in my ability to just feel and know things. So there's, know that, there's intuition in there that, that you've honed over the years. Yeah, there's intuition combined with um, very specific sensory motor capabilities. Like we used to take a, in chiropractic college, we'd take a phone book and we put it like a, a needle, like a little, you know, sewing needle in there and we put more and more pages until Basically, you'd try to find it, you know, you'd feel it under the pages and pretty soon you can do it with it all the way through the phone book. No, there's no way you can actually physically feel it through all those pages, but you start to trust your sensory uh, acuity in a way to be able to notice what, what is, where it is. And then, and I'd say that the way the sensory system works is that you don't push harder to feel more because then you distort the receptors you allow receptors are to receive. <laughs> so you allow more information to come in and you start feeling more and more. Uh, that last bit is a huge hint for people listening who are, uh, are not already completely skeptical. And, and I've, we'll talk to the skeptics in a minute, but uh, a couple of things you said there about you just open up and receive uh, my first, uh, my first book about fertility and uh, pregnancy called the better baby book. I came out of a really altered state uh, doing neurofeedback, uh, like, you know, leaving my body kind of state, just based on my own brainwaves, no drugs or anything like that. And I, I kind of shook myself, picked up a pen, wrote the entire table of contents for the book straight out of my subconscious. Or who knows, maybe I downloaded it from aliens. The point is, I don't really know, but I didn't have <laughs> to think about it. In other words, the allowing versus forcing. Uh, and, and that's a skill that I always teach people when I'm lucky enough to get a, a, some time to facilitate the neurofeedback training. It, it's like, look, if you push, your brainwaves won't do what you want. When you stop pushing, they'll do what you want them to do. And and we're taught the opposite of that in our culture. Um, the other things that, that stand out, uh, a skeptical say, okay, you know, feels and sensing and it's different for everyone, non-provable. Look, we have thousands of years of different traditions around the planet. Um, all of the meditation traditions, like, okay, well, we don't have sensors, so let's just you know, lock someone in a cave or a monastery for their entire life and let them pay attention to these subtle fields and see what they can do with it. And what generally happens is they can do stuff that normal people can't do. Wow. And so I think there's enough evidence that that's worthy of scientific exploration. And, and then I went and I did Alberto Vieto's shaman training class. Alberto's been a guest on on the show. Uh, and you know you do learn to feel weird sensory stuff and, and things that are unexpected happen when you do that uh, without any uh, ayahuasca or anything like that just just from switching your reference wow. and then phone books vision lakiani has also been on the show and uh, vision in his book uh, the code of the extraordinary mind uh, which a lot of listeners have read uh, he talks about how he was basically failing as a sales guy very early in his career because his job was to go through the phone book in order and dial everyone to sell them software. And he's like, what if I just picked the names that just felt right? And all of a sudden, like he was selling, I don't know, five or 10 times more, like a lot more became uh -huh. the top sales guy because he didn't just dial an order. He was like, I, I, don't, I can't tell you why, but I just felt like that was a good number. Uh -huh. And and this kind of thing, when I talk with the the 
you know, global players like this, they just know something sometimes. Yeah. So if we can all, uh, who are listening to this, just say, all right, maybe there's yeah. something going on there. Is there a plausible explanation for this? I mean, one, one, I think that that's beautiful. And I think you're appealing to the, to the, to the skeptics. And I certainly was, was a skeptic, uh, going into this 20 something years ago, a total skeptic, but I would say, I call myself like an optimistic skeptic because I'm always like, I have an open mind, but I'm like, show me, you know, show, pr- pr- just give me some, some evidence here or give me an experience. But I think that, uh, my experience in working with with these kind of subtle fields and these subtle energies is that there is, there is research on this. I mean, like uh, the physics of it is that there's a quantum superposition uh, that of all sort of possibilities existing simultaneously. And the observer uh, creates a collapse in the quantum field. And then that kind of turns into a sort of physical reality. Um, Now it's thought like, oh, well, this exists in the sort of subatomic realm, but it doesn't really kind of work in the macro realm. But um, my experience has been, it's it's not at all the case. I think um, uh, those things like Vijan was talking about where you just go and you see like what pops out to you, what's brighter to you, um, what, what kind of shines like brighter in your consciousness. There, there are, there are, probabilities of things happening that are higher i think that could lead you into a more effortless path if you listen to and tune into what what is uh, resonating and we are kind of a quantum coherent uh, system that's connected to everything when we're in dissonance when we're in lack of flow um, everything feels challenging and hard um, our consciousness is in a different place it's observing from a different place so everything looks uh we're it looks like it's more challenging. It is more challenging when our energy drops down. And actually, I think I'll make a point here. Um, our energy state and our awareness level are the two things I think that that make life quality of life either amazing or crappy. Um, and you're, I know you're big. I mean, you talk about the mitochondria. And you talk about energy. I mean, it's all about energy. But I'll give it a different perspective, a thermodynamic perspective, in that. Um, this was a, a another kind of model that was taught to me by Donnie Epstein. I think it's really brilliant, and I live my life by this. There's an energy-rich state, an energy-neutral state, and an energy-poor state that you can be in. Energy-poor means the system is in breakdown. So thermodynamically, you don't have enough energy to actually organize your cells and structures and everything at the level you're at. So the system is actually goes into a disease process. It's going into breakdown. If you don't get energy into the system in a usable way quickly, you'll start breaking down, and eventually you'll die. Um, there's energy neutral, which is a neutral state, meaning you're importing enough to stay alive and function. You're exporting enough to produce in the world, but there's an, but there's no real progress or growth. You're kind of like a a hamster on a wheel. Um, you're exerting, but progress isn't happening. So if you feel in your life that I'm working so hard and I'm doing everything and I'm efforting and it's not working, it's because you're actually in an energy neutral state because when you go into an energy rich state, you have suddenly you you elevate up, and this is when you're in flow. This is the flow state. This is Chizent Mahai and you know Stephen Kotler's. Where I mean, you know these guys uh, about being in flow. It's suddenly effortless, and in that effortless is where all the manifestation happens. So the energy rich state means you're exporting more energy out into the environment, and you're also importing energy in, but you you're not getting drained. And the people that come into your field and into your presence actually are uplifted because you're ex- you're actually rippling energy out rather than, you know, we all know those people, you get around them and you instantly feel like your energy is getting strained or sucked um, mm-hmm. because they're in this energy poor state and they're grasping, they're trying to get, they're trying to, um, it's like giving to get or trying and trying. Well, like, like politicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like our culture, you know, like, like the culture, which is a low energy neutral, barely, you know, it is starting to fall apart. It's actually going energy poor, I think right now. So it's starting to kind of fall apart, but then it allows for if we inject new energy and consciousness, it'll organize to a higher level. So if you look at things from an energetic perspective, rather than just uh, this is the way it is on a physical level, you kind of go into these higher dimensions rather than just look at the third dimension. I think it can it can inform the way we operate to say, wait, what if I'm managing my energy and my consciousness and letting the 3D world sort of take care of itself because everything will follow what's happening in those realms. You talked about energy and awareness as being two things there. And for the people who I think would include both of us at times in our life, we're like, okay, maybe this stuff is happening, but there's no known mechanism of action and, and the science trolls then say therefore it didn't happen right and 
then the the true scientist will say, well, maybe there's something we don't know. And and part of the reason that I wrote Headstrong, uh, my last book, was that I got really interested in where energy comes from. And it comes yeah. from these ancient bacteria, these mitochondria in the system that you mentioned earlier. And what we know for a fact is that these are semiconductors in the cells. We know that yes. they are magnetically sensitive. We know that they sense the entire electromagnetic spectrum, including stuff we can't see. They sense all of it, and it comes into the system. And whether we've put in filters to ignore it or whether we can let those filters go down to be able to absorb more of that and sense more of that, we also know that anything that is able to receive, say, an antenna <laughs> is also able to transmit. And so there is a plausible mechanism of action for this, yeah. which is that the parts of our body that are electromagnetically sensitive and light sensitive and food sensitive and temperature sensitive and vibration sensitive and massage sensitive and all that kind of stuff, every, everything you can think of in the environment, they're listening. They're also talking, right? Like they're, they're plugged into the grid. And if you, if you believe that, and there is hardcore bioengineering quantum biology, not the yes. woo-woo quantum, but like the real, yes. how do we actually make energy stuff? Okay, now I've got a mechanism, and then it's hackable. And, and like I said, energy and awareness. How do you get more energy? Okay, there's ways yep. to do that. Yes. And then how do you become more aware of what you're sensing? That's what you're doing. And then how yes. do you actually take the energy that's in you and like put it out through your hands or your your whatever your favorite chakra is? So here's <laughs> like, that's part of this. Yeah, a point about and it's, the thing is like, does energy actually have to transfer from in the subtle realm? Does it have to transfer from a location to a location or is there more of a non-local thing happening where everything is in it? If everything is energy and really and like in, if you go to NASA's website, you'll see a, a pie graph on their pie chart and it says that like the universe is made up of 4%, you know, uh, matter um, and then it's like 75% uh, dark energy and some percent dark matter, whatever the, whatever those, I think 29%, whatever it is, 21%. I just, my math isn't adding up to hundred, but it's very close. Dark energy and dark matter. These are two forms. Dark energy is, is like, is energy is in forms that we don't quite understand or know. Dark matter is also a form of energy. So basically the whole entire universe is made up of, of matter, just like the spectrum of energy. When you look at the electromagnetic of spectrum, you go from visible light which is this tiny little bandwidth of this whole spectrum that goes all the way up to, you know, gamma radiation and all the way down to, you know, like the, the smallest, you know, f sort of um, forms that we can't uh, uh, see or hear, um, different types of radiation, um, uh, infrared, all these different, this whole wavelength, we can only see a tiny little sliver of it. So to think that, you know, we're, um, Looking at the 3D world, the world around us, looking at our body physically and just try to actually operate without recognizing that there's something more that's organizing and guiding all of this would be, I think, a, 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 it would be a big mistake. And I think people suffer big time when they don't have, they don't explore those other realms. And I think what you're doing is opening people's minds to, um, to these other realms, but in a way that it has science behind it. And also that they can, you have a way of just chunking it down to where people can grasp it. Um, I'm working on that, David, like helping people to, to better understand it, but because it is kind of a mystical realm for a lot of people, why they see this and they I put my hand, you know, two, three feet off someone's body and the person's body goes into this wave and they go, what, what are the mechanisms? How's that working? Rupert Sheldrake wrote a book. Um, I remember the title of it, but it's about, how something about how dogs know when their owners are coming home and the whole book is about uh the research this is actually scientifically researched how dogs know when their owners are on their way home um and they actually he actually has the science behind it but it's it's something about connecting into this non-local uh, organizing somehow consciousness or intelligence or awareness that they can tap into. It's like you have your, it's a, the work of Bruce Lipton actually. Oh yeah. It's, He's been on the show um, too. <laughs> Bruce is, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Bruce was one of my teachers in early, actually in chiropractic college at the time before he was well known, he was teaching a course on, on the cell membrane and all the work that he's been doing. Uh, he lives here in Santa Cruz with me. Um, but he was teaching this years ago that, look, you can denucleate a cell. You can take the nucleus out of the cell and the cell will still function. It can't replicate, but it will still carry out all its functions because the 
that cell membrane is like an antenna receiver for information from the environment. So what the heck are we receiving and where's that coming from and what is that? And we have to recognize we're more of an antenna than we are just a generator. So by the way, that cell membrane is made out of droplets of fat, right? So if you're eating the wrong fats, you're poisoning your antenna that is the membrane of the cell and it won't function the same way and you will have less awareness and you'll make less energy. I, I fundamentally believe that. Every shamanic tradition, every meditation tradition has like, you should eat this kind of food. They don't always agree on the kinds of food, but they found this pattern works for where we are, where we're from, uh, what, whatever other things. Because if you eat a bunch of crap, uh, you eat too much, too little, whatever else, it, it does have an effect that's not just uh, you know, weight gain or weight loss. It has a subtle energy effect. Yeah. Absolutely, and on your consciousness, and and so the the like the work of James Oshman and uh, Mei Wan Ho, two amazing uh, researchers, and this is like hard science in this area, have looked at the sort of piezoelectric effect of movement in these in these tissues of how these cells are. Uh, and their membranes are not, um, they're not just like sodium potassium pumps. There's energy and information traveling through this liquid crystalline matrix. And, um, and it's a, it's a coherent system when, when everything's operating properly, where information is traveling all over at once. Um, another person who was actually kind of a pioneer in this area who wrote molecules of emotion, Candace Perk. Candace Perk, yes, she, um, she was the National Institutes of Health uh, researcher that, and she talked about, you know, about this, 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 uh, body, the mind being distributed throughout the body as part of this neuropeptide network, which also ties into these cell membranes. Um, but the neuropeptides, you know, these little, little, little proteins that are like cruising around aren't just like little lock and key; they're vibrational. And so the vibrational state of the cells and tissues of the body, like I was saying earlier, I feel vibrational distortions and frequency changes in the body when I'm working with people. Um, the hard science is that if the neuropeptide cannot bind to a receptor site, then a certain function can't happen in the cell. And the theory with, um, one of the theories with, this was between uh, Epstein and, and Pert before she died, was that when you distort the tensegrity or the like you change the membrane structure, of the cells that you change the vibrational state, you change which neuropeptide receptor sites are available, which changes how the DNA can actually be accessed because the what happens in the, on the and this Lipton's work and, and others that what happens on the outside of the cell uh, determines what the DNA, what parts of the DNA and genetic coding is going to express. So if you distort or change the tone or tension, it changes how those little receptor sites are actually configured, it changes what proteins can bind, which changes which emotions you can feel, which changes the leverage you have for making change in your life. So it is actually not just a bunch of woo-woo, this is like scientifically sound. Um, it's also scientifically sound that some Swedish researchers found that uh, one of the ways that information is traveling through the whole body is through and through the uh, peripheral nerves, et cetera, is through these acoustical waves. So that's a vibrational, informational exchange that's going on. And beyond that, you have the fact that an emotion, and I think this comes into where people get stuck. So I see and when I'm working with people and I find how they get stuck is that and we can get stuck in a lot of ways, but your emotional system operates on motion and sound or tone. So if you don't move your body and express a tone as some kind of vibration or sound, that's not an emotion. It's a strong feeling. You may be like, I'm so angry. I'm really, really angry. But And you might feel really angry, but that is not the expression of anger, which would require, <laughs> it would require sound and movement. And so people take energy in the form of strong emotion, strong feelings. They divert it because it's hard to be with or it's, the, it's their condition to not express it. And they direct that energy into different areas of the body. The spinal cord can stretch and the spinal posture can change. The cells and tissues of the body can start vibrating at different frequencies. And a lot of people I've found their physical symptom is not a, a, the actual structural um, thing that's happening primarily. It's a vibrational distortion that's creating a standing wave of energy and information in that area that the higher brain, the cortex of the brain, can't actually receive that information. And so what happens is that you think it's a physical experience but it's an energetic experience that you've somaticized and turned into a, a body sense that, or you've disconnected from it altogether. And now you just want it to go away rather than reintegrate or reincorporate that energy back into your system, which is healing or wholeness, right? So you take the part that was 
separated and you bring it back in. And so I've worked with people, Dave, like one woman had a, uh, was going to go in for a hip replacement. She's in her early seventies. She's an avid golfer. So she just, all she wants, she's like, whatever I have to do to golf, you know, the deal. <laughs> so whatever I have to do, like I'm going to make it happen. So she was ready to do it. And I had her do a process where she just, we just put her hand on her knee and I had her tell me, did, what do you feel there? And she said, I don't feel anything. It feels like numb, totally numb, like, like nothing. I said, okay, we'll just say right here. I feel disconnected. And she said, oh, right here. I feel disconnected. And as soon as she said it, and this is the kind of the, what I call the paradox of change, when you acknowledge what is rather than trying to change it before you actually even acknowledged it, it changes automatically. So she's holding it. She's like, I feel so disconnected. I do. I feel. I, I do feel disconnected. It feels like someone else's knee already. And I said, okay, acknowledge that. She said, right here, feel disconnected. As soon as she said that, she said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm feeling energy. It's getting warm. It's getting, this is a woman who had no – she's not a metaphysical. She's not a like a woo-woo person. She's not a super spiritual person. She just wants to golf, and um, which could be super spiritual, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> but she started to feel energy coming back into her knee. She started to feel it heat up, and then she just started feeling emotion. She just started crying. And she's crying and all this sadness and grief came up. And then the next thing she was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I was going to cut out my knee. I was going to get rid of my knee. I'm so sorry. And so she's talking to her knee and she's breathing. <laughs> and then she gets up off the table and she starts walking around. She goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm healed. I'm healed. Like I can use I, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to pay attention to my knee. I'm going to like love my knee. And about um, three or four weeks later, she was out golfing. I just saw her recently after probably four or five years. She's out golfing. Never had the surgery, never had the knee replacement. So I don't know how I got on the tangent of that story, well, it, but it's, it's like, here's the thing, this lady and you sound batshit crazy when you say that. Yes. Yes. Right? And, and let's just acknowledge that. And I'll tell you, I have seen this happen myself, not with this lady, but with other people. This happens all the time. There's like professors at Harvard writing books about pain management. We, a shift in awareness suddenly makes the body do something that's unexpected. And the implication of this is that you just talked about like maybe 15 different potential mechanisms of action, cell membranes, yes. mitochondria. Yes. Uh, but it's still a black box. We don't know. But we, well, what we do know, you can, you can manipulate it. Yes. You, you put something in and something else comes out. And, and it's that craft of teasing out what's happening in the middle. We don't even have to do that to take advantage of the knowledge right now. But we will do that because we're curious humans. Yeah, and Dave, like there, there's something that um, – um, it's called alexithymia and alexithymia is the medical, um, term for an inability to, uh, articulate, connect with, or express like a body sense or emotion. It's like, you're completely disconnected from it. And so people that, um, like actually have an alexithymic condition means they have no idea what they're feeling, which is like what I was before I uh, discovered me, all this work. Me too. <laughs> right. And so you have no like reference to the inner world. And so those are the people that drop from a heart attack um, because they don't have no, they don't hear the lions roar in the distance. And the next thing you know, the lion's like right at their neck, you know, ready to, to eat them. And then the last thing they, you know, do is smell the lion's, you know, breath. But <laughs> that, there's a book, actually, it's a hard to find book because I think it's out of print now, but it's by, uh, it's called Minding the Body. And it's by um, someone named Donald Bacall, B-A-K-A-L. And there is this research, um, he's a PhD, and it's all research on somatic intelligence or somatic, what he calls um, um, somatic awareness and the benefits of it, the challenges of it of it, what people experience when they're going through anxiety. I found that anxiety is not an emotion. Anxiety is the inability to connect with and actually feel and express the emotion. So there's all this stuff. That book is fantastic for anyone who wants research on this. Um, it does exist. And that guy has put it in, it was published in the nineties, but, um, it's minding 30, the $30 for the paperback version on I mean, Amazon. Yeah. It's if for anyone who's in this area, who is in a clinical, um, you know, uh, capacity and wants actually hard, hard research on the benefits of connecting with your body and, um, and the mechanisms. That book is fantastic. If you're not, then it's a horrible read. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well said. And it, this is one of those things. Uh, I was diagnosed as high risk of stroke and heart attack based on lab numbers uh, in my late twenties. And when I really first started looking at at, you know, why do I do things I don't want to do? I sat down, it actually took about two and a half days at a personal development retreat. And they're like, you have to be feeling something. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling angry. And like, no, there's other stuff in there. I'm like, no, there's not. Like I'm looking. And 
this this fantastic thing. This was uh, Barbara Van Dyson uh, who did this. Who's a, a founder of the Pre and Perinatal Psychology Association, and she uh, she basically looked at me and, and she said, "Well, do you feel anything in your body?" And, and I said, "Yeah, there's a weird feeling in my stomach." And she goes, "Yeah, there's a name for that." I'm like, really? And she goes, it's called fear. And, and it was it was like someone hit me in the stomach. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no reason for me to be afraid. Therefore, it's not fear. And she just yes. laughed. She goes, look, there's f- feelings. They're not rational. There doesn't have to be a reason for a feeling. And I'm like, oh, that means that all this crap like that I've taught myself to filter out, it's actually there. And it's a feeling even though there was no reason for it because I was like almost too hyper rational about it. And for me, that opened the gateway to being you know, able to you know, download my book into my subconscious or uh, just to become aware of of the state of my energy and how it affects an audience on stage uh, or uh, even to take some of the, the medical healing or shamanic kind of courses that I have taken and to be like, I'm feeling something here. I would not have felt that before until I shifted my mindset that said, oh, there's a signal in the noise. And what you just said really made me think about that story because a lot of us now are raised we're, we just don't pay attention to that stuff. It's just in the way. And it turns out there's there's great value in that uh, as long as it doesn't run you. Absolutely. I mean, there's a tremendous, that, that was the whole uh, per, uh, kind of like impetus behind body-centered leadership that, that w- what if your connection to your body, its signals, its feedback is l- louder and paid attention to in a more, uh, an appropriate way louder than the cultural noise, the conditioning around us and what you're supposed to do or what you're supposed to be. It, people that, that have um, had cancer and uh, st- I've got friends and, and there are plenty of case studies and clinical studies with this, people that have ha- had cancer and, and, and stage three, stage four cancer and been given a diagnosis uh, that, and a prognosis that they're going to die. And then they're living and they're thriving you know, 10, 15, 20 years later. In, in virtually every case, they turn to their body, its feedback, what they really wanted, what they really needed over anyone's perspective. And they said, look, I got to listen to myself and and connect to what I know. And I got to follow that. Now I've also had, and and so that, that's, that's the key. So you got to let your body lead you, but you have to be connected because I've also had people that I've worked with. And one, one man in particular who, who he was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. I told him, based on all the people I've treated and seen and worked with, with this condition at this case and your awareness and where you are, you need to go immediately and you need to get probably chemotherapy, probably get surgery. You need to be working with me- the medical profession. And he listened to like an intuitive, because he was disconnected. He wasn't in sync with his body. So the knowing wasn't there, but his mind was telling him, I can beat this. I can overcome this with natural, you know, approaches. And he was listening to an intuitive who actually, um, told him, Oh, your cancer is gone. And he, his rational mind believed it, but he wasn't connected to the somatic feedback, which would have told him you're screwed up and you've got to do something now. So there's a fine line there. It's actually not a fine line. There's a big difference between being truly connected and one with your body, listening to that message versus listening to your mind and hallucinating that you're connected and doing what your mind, uh, disconnected from your body thinks you should do which is which is like what tony robbins says when you're in your head you're dead and i think that that is um pretty apropos for what we're talking about at the very core of the neurofeedback work uh, that i do at at 40 years of zen and the stuff that's really deeply been transformative for me has been learning how to sense is this coming out of my ego that that mind sort of thing or is this coming from a more of a visceral sense and not necessarily judging which you know i'm good or i'm bad because i happened, but just saying all right is this quote real or is this a story i'm telling myself and man that is hard work and doing it with a, the equivalent of a lie detector on my head made it easier for me otherwise i'd probably still be a, a pretty big jerk <laughs> um, so <laughs> I just had a lot more work to do than the average person. Maybe <laughs> you've done the work and it's awesome, Dave. Well, you're doing it still. Well, th- thank you. Now, now here's another question bro, about, you know, doing work. Uh, everything you're talking about is, you know, non-local, non-linear and things like that. All right. Can you use your, your magic powers for lack of a better word, um, over, over Skype? I mean, you're looking at me on video right now. Like, yeah. you know, do I have, rainbows shooting out of my eyebrows okay i'm kidding, I'm kidding but you know like, yeah. like can you can you pick stuff up like that yeah definitely and that's been more in, in probably in the last 
I'd say more the last seven, eight years where I kind of opened up to more. And as I was studying more and more in the, in the realm of, of the physics and then just playing with it and starting to learn, learn from more teachers and people that are working in that realm, because before I was always like in proximity, um, I was, you know, close to somebody's body. Um, there is, there's some similar principles. I mean, you think about like remote viewing, uh, which was, you know, sanctioned by the U.S. was used by the U S government, um, to spy on, you know, Russia back in the, you know, fifties, sixties, et cetera. Like you can tap into your consciousness is non-local. So it is possible in my experience to, and I've worked with a lot of people over Skype, um, um, or on the phone and, and I'm just, I'm feeling things, but I'm, I'm corroborating. I'm getting feedback and I'm asking. So I might see something or sense something or feel something. And then I'll ask, you know, do you notice this? Does this feel like accurate? And, um, and I've also received the gift and you and I were talking about this at one point. I think when we met, I had an experience with a woman who, um, who I worked with over the phone and she, um, connected me into some things that just blew my mind and the impact that it had in my finances. It was like a, it was a, an amazing session where she, well, I don't know the exact mechanisms. Truthfully, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's still a bit of a mystery to me, but it was, there was a shift or a change somehow in my uh, consciousness and in my interaction with the field of energy and people around me that changed something on the physical realm and yeah, I'm, I'm, I started playing with that and doing that. And, um, I have quite a few people that I, that I, I may just tune into something with them or feel them come into my consciousness and then I'll call, I'll call them or I'll reach out to them. Um, I think it, like we want kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, it's about, um, everybody has a different way that their sensory system processes this field of energy and information around us. And it's starting to learn tools and mechanisms that resonate with you because there are tons of teachers out there some of it's bogus a lot of it is actually really um, incredible and you kind of start to search out and find who, who do i resonate with that actually um may be able to teach me skill sets and how to use this this kind of this apparatus of the sensory motor system to tune into you know something that's non-physical and start to kind of operate differently in the world um, I'm, do, I'm doing some of that in my body center. I'm definitely, that's what I'm doing in body center leadership and there'll be more courses and things coming in the, in the, in the coming year for sure. If someone came to you uh, tomorrow and they said, John, you know, you've, you've had an interesting path. Uh, you've, you've changed your own game pretty dramatically and you've, you've been an influence, sometimes an unseen influence, but I, my experience is that a meaningful influence on some phenomenally successful people who, who have really shifted uh, their own speed and their own effectiveness and, and just done giant things. So based on all that, all that experience and knowledge and, and your own path, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, look, I want to perform better as a human being, like, like I want my own ability to, to, to change my own game at the same level you have, what, what kind of advice would you have to offer them? Can you give me three pieces of advice? Yeah, I would say number one, probably pay attention to the feedback that your body's giving you. Make paying attention to the feedback your body's giving you a priority. And for some people, that means they have to actually even bring it on the radar because they haven't been monitoring that feedback. So um, it's it's kind of like listening to the lion's roar in the distance rather than the breath, um, which is not. It means it's more than just measuring data from your you know from your um, ring or your watch or your, yeah all your monitors. It's about also. Um, starting to connect into the subjective experience. So you need to look at the objective and the subjective. And illness is is when your inner, you know, subjective state sucks. Uh, wellness is when your inner subjective state is is amazing. Your physical body could even be in a disease process, but you could be more well than somebody whose physical body has disease go uh, is is disease free because they're ill. So that you got to look at there's a subjective. So one is pay attention to the feedback that your body's giving you. Listen to it. Um, can combine objective measurement with subjective tuning in through meditation through um, you know there's many different ways that you can you can tune into your body but it's, but I teach a bunch of them but mastery is really all about having those two you got to have the inner and the outer the second I would say Dave is probably managing your energy state and make managing your energy state a priority in your life because uh, when you're lower energy state you're going to make poor decisions and when you're in a high energy state you're going to access higher consciousness and you're going to make more dimensionalized decisions to take more into account. So if you lower the temperature from on water from 100 uh, to 99 centigrade, you know, you're going to get uh, – it's not going to be boiling. 
if you lower it, you know, if we'll go to zero uh, Celsius, um, you know, it's going to turn from fluid to, to, to solid. The energy state, even subtle changes in thresholds will change the nature of reality. So managing your energy state is critical. So whatever you have to do to make sure you, you elevate your energy state and, and sustain it, do it. I mean, your products are amazing. And, um, and the kind of practices where you get body work and care for your body um, are critical. And then the third, I would say, Dave, is um, recognize that there's a universal timing to everything. And you got to be in sync with the timing. Um, to experience flow, um, you got to get in sync with the rhythm of what's going on in your body. And you taught, I know you teach about circadian rhythms. Um, it, it's also the rhythms of, um, of, it could be the rhythms of the world around you, like economic cycles. <laughs> like, you know, like we just talked about before we got on about like, Oh, you know, when Bitcoin was, you know, $3 or whatever. Um, but like, are you on the trend? Are you in sync with what's happening in the environment around you? Um, and are you in sync with the rhythms of your body and listening to what your body wants? Like, does it need sleep? Does it need, um, does it need exercise, like being tuned in there? Uh, because if you feel like you're swimming against the current or you feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill and everything's effort, it's, it's, it's likely for sure because you're out of sync with what, with a, some kind of timing or rhythm and your energy state has dropped and you're not paying attention to your body or overriding its signals. So those are the three I would say. A beautiful list. That last thing about a universal timing for everything, uh, for the entrepreneurs uh, and people listening, uh, this is something I haven't ever talked about, but I've known in my life, like several times, when, like when a big industry is about to be disrupted, like I'm there, like that's what I do. That, that's why I'm like the first person to sell anything over the internet. I don't know. I felt e-commerce. We have a name for it, but I'm like, I don't know. There's something, and I got better at feeling that. And when it was time to start uh, Bulletproof, uh, just the blog, not looking at products or any of that stuff, I went to the nonprofit that I'd been running for 10 plus years. I said, guys, we've got to make this this one change, change you know, the name of the nonprofit, and like I'll I'll start creating this content because it's time, like, like, like it's a universal time for lack of words. I, I just felt it in my bones. And nonprofit boards are their own thing. It's, it's very hard to move quickly in a nonprofit environment. Uh, and after like a month of just like kind of delays for small things, I was like, I, I can't wait. Like, like, like the time is now. So I went and I started the Bulletproof blog, um, not inside the nonprofit, but I was entirely willing to do it there because I just wanted the information out there. Uh, but it was that that sense of like the windows closing, like like you got to move because it's not gonna it's not always the same. And I wish there was a way to teach that. I say I wish I knew a way to teach that. But when you're plugged in at a certain level, you're like you just know like if I don't do this now, it's not going to be there tomorrow. And, and and if you can catch that thought, or it's more of a feeling that also matches a thought. Um, and it's telling you move now. <laughs> There's probably a reason for that, I, Dave. I think I think that you know it, it harkens back to like the, you, when you mentioned Vishan and, and and him saying like he decided what if I just go and open the phone book to these places that um, where I'm called, you know. And it is it's a feeling and a thought coming together, which is that's the integration because it isn't a mind and a body that are separate. It's a mind body as one. And um, when you're in sync with it and you're one with it, and the and the thought and the feeling are unified and you're coherent and you're fluid like that, that is that so kind of super fluid state that I think, what's his name, Christopher Bergen, I think the guy that, that wrote The Athlete's Way, um, mm. he, he broke the world record, I think he holds the world record for running 153 miles on a treadmill in like 24 hour period. Um, he talks about being in sync and letting this universal force come through and letting the body be like a super fluid sort of in a super fluid state where mind and body and feelings and thoughts are all one. And, and in that state you can accomplish and perform at an incredible level. And, um, that's, that's what I'm really shooting for when I'm working with people. Well, you're definitely doing something that is noticeable. I, I think neither of us knows exactly all the inner workings, underlying mechanisms, and what uh, electrons and neutrons are flowing what and where. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's something observable that is worthy of further study. And a lot of the very cutting-edge biohacking um, is circling around what are these effects and the fact that you're on the leading edge saying, well, I'm not, I, I'm not certain I know why, but I know how it feels and I know how to do it. And I know that when I do it, I get results that are pretty darned amazing. I, I certainly felt the work that you did. And the kind of people that you serve are the kind of people who don't do stuff that doesn't work for very long. 
they, they, <laughs> they just don't have to. Right. That's so true. <laughs> so, so true. That is absolutely true. Uh, beautiful. People can find out more about uh, your work. Yeah. John Amaral.com. John Amaral, A-M-A-R-A-L.com. Okay. So, yeah. And, and then body centered leadership.com. Those are my two, my two sites. Uh, beautiful. If you enjoyed today's show, you know what to do. If you want to explore this kind of stuff, check out John's work. Uh, he's got some cool stuff on his website. And just be open-minded that sometimes there's things that you can't explain, but they're still there. And maybe someday we'll explain them. If not, maybe they'll just be great or maybe they'll be useless. But if you don't look and pay attention, you're never going to find out. Um, that algorithm has been really helpful for me. So hopefully this episode inspires you to pay more attention to the subtle things because there are lots of people out there uh, who have some degree of the skill that John does. And you've heard from several people on the show who do this kind of work and they do it at the very highest levels of, of influence uh, and power and performance. And it's real. And just knowing that and knowing that you, know, you have some of that in you too yeah. uh, is, is a pretty good way to unleash yourself. So, so take that knowledge away and while you're at it, go to Amazon and leave a review for Headstrong because the reason this works is in there. It's your mitochondria, I swear. That is, that is a hypothesis, but I'm pretty sure of it. All right. <laughs> on, that note, awesome. uh, on that note, have a beautiful day. I'll see you on the next episode. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.